could just breathe and you could relax and open up and just spread your wings and, and, and open your heart and open your soul and just let that let the music just come right in and then we just drift and dream and the show would be over. Who knew what time it was? Thanks for pressing play. That voice you just heard is the man the NBA calls one of the 50 greatest players of all time, Bill Walton. And this is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, where we aspire to have real dialogues that celebrate the people, ideas, and companies that stand out. We're sponsored by Oracle NetSuite, Learn to turbocharge the growth of your business today at netsuite.com slash different. And I also want to tell you about a brand new book called Crash Your Career by my friend, entrepreneur Isaac Morehouse. If you're someone who's starting your career, this is a great pocket guide to making your own place in the world. Go to crash.co slash different and you'll be able to pick up a free copy or a free preview, excuse me, of the book, including the foreword that I was lucky enough to write. Now, on this episode, in celebration of the NBA Finals, we're doing a first, which is a special reissue episode. Um, So this originally aired in February 2018 with Bill Walton, and it's one of our most popular episodes, and people have been asking for us to reissue it, so here he is. And even if you don't love basketball, you're going to love Bill, because spending time in Bill's brain is a wonderful, magical mystery tour. We talk about basketball, John Wooden. He talks a lot about the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Neil Young, of course, Jerry Garcia, and the Grateful Dead. Uh, they invented the Grateful Dead uh, Fan Hall of Fame for Bill. <laughs> so go to lockhead.com and check out the show notes for the key takeaways from this book and to learn, or key takeaways from this episode and learn more about Bill's outstanding book, which is called Back from the Dead. Now, hey ho, let's go. So, Bill, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, um, what was better for you, uh, being inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame or the Grateful Dead Hall of Fame? Christopher, what a thrill and pleasure and honor it is for me to try to learn how to play bigger. But over the course of my now 65 years, I have learned a lot of life's greatest lessons, mostly from failure, but I've been part of some true greatness as well. And so in the course of those years, and I have completely changed as a human being. I mean, I, I my life has been defined by meteoric rises to the top, right? Just bam, bam, from really young, and then incredible crashes to the bottom, all caused by orthopedic health crises. Athletics, academics, those were a piece of cake for me. That was the easiest part of my life. My problem is that my body keeps breaking down. And so I've also been cursed from the very beginning with a lifelong speech impediment. And so here I am trying to be on the play bigger with Christopher Lockhead, who is basically a combination of Chick Hearn, the greatest broadcaster ever, and then Mike Tirico, the current guy, guys whose mouths work with their brain in perfect sync. Sometimes their mouths are going faster than their brains, and that is not me. So please bear with me. But when you (laughs) ask about the Hall of Fame for basketball, When you ask me about the Grateful Dead Hall of Fame, I have learned that never rank, rate, or compare concerts, coaches, children, 
championships or congratulations. Just enjoy them all. And so when I went into the Basketball Hall of Fame on May 10th, 1993, that's 25 years ago, right? I'm up there and I had learned how to speak a little bit by that point in my life. And so we all had five minutes to go, you know, to give our thanks because in, in Western Massachusetts, the, the bars, they close early and everybody wanted to get to the bar quick, right? So I'm the last guy. We go by alphabetical order. We had an incredible class of Dr. J and Ann Myers and Calvin Murphy and Dan Issel, Ulyana Semenovich, the seven foot Russian woman who never lost a game, uh, Dick McGuire, Walt Bellamy, fantastic class, right? And I get up there last. We all got five minutes. And at the 16-minute mark of my five minutes of allotted time, the guy from the NBA in the back of the room, Brian McIntyre, just a legend, runs the whole communications and PR department for the NBA for years. He he stands up and, and interrupts me in mid-sentence and says, come on, Walton, you're the most injured player ever. 14 years in the NBA, you missed nine and a half full seasons. Your speech is lasting longer than your career did. And so I wrapped it up and we all had a great time into the night long. Oh my gosh, we welcomed the sunrise. <laughs> but then with the, on March, I mean, excuse me, on the summer solstice, June 21st, 2001, at the Grateful Dead offices, in Marin or Sonoma County, it, might have, it was right on the line there. I think it was in Nevada at the time because they had moved around. You know, after Jerry died in '95, uh, things changed and everything changed. And, and, and one of the great things that I loved about your book was phenomenal and has completely changed my life. Play bigger, but that willingness to embrace change, and, and, and that's one of the things that athletics prepares people for because in life things go wrong in life things collapse in life you've got to be ready to say wow okay and you know i love history and i love biography and i love adventure and i love incredible accomplishments and you sort of put it all together there in play bigger and but one of the recent books that i read and i'm really hoping christopher that you that you take all those book titles and authors in your book play bigger and just make a list of them and then post them on your website. Because That's a great idea, Bill. Because you, your your book was very much like this. Uh, these two books that I recently read uh, from his name is I don't know. When I look at this name, I see Eric Weiner. But I read an article where he says his name is pronounced Weiner, but it's E R I C uh, W E I N E R. And he wrote two. If your books last are, name was Weiner. Wouldn't you want people to call you Weiner instead of Weiner? What, well, Wiener, Weiner, I mean, what's the They're difference? They're both pretty please? bad, right? <laughs> I learned from Coach Wooden, the, the, the two sets of threes, right? Coach Wooden was this incredible teacher. I mean, very much like you. He didn't speak fast. He spoke very slow and very quietly all the time, but he was an incredibly positive guy. And I was so lucky to have him as one of those foundational pillars in my life growing up. But he had his pyramid of success, his uh, his seven-point creed that he got from his dad, and then he had his two sets of threes that he really, uh, he lived by himself, and he tried to encourage other people to do the same, which was don't don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. And so when I see these guys whining, when I see these guys complaining and making excuses, I always tell them, look, I'll listen to your problems one time, but from here on out, I want to hear a plan on your path forward. What are you doing to get better? And that's what your book is about. So Eric Weiner, he, Weiner, anyway, Eric, he writes these two books. I don't know the guy. Uh, it was recommended 
to me by my friends at Simon and Schuster. You know, I've, I've had these. My mom is a librarian. And my mom was 91. She's still alive. She still lives in the same house we all grew up in 65 years. They moved there when I was born here in San Diego. And I lived just 10 minutes away. Lori, my wife and I, Lori spelled L-O-R-I, just the most incredible angel ever. Can you imagine being married to me? Anyways, Lori is. And so <laughs> it must be a she, magical mystery tour being married to you. I don't know what it is, man, but I'm the luckiest thing the circumstance alive. And so... Uh, I talk to my mom every day and I try every, every time I'm in San Diego, I try to go over to her house. It's just 10 minutes away. Lori and I have lived in our house here for uh, uh, 39 years. We're right on the edge of Balboa Park in San Diego. It's a dream come true. And I know you live in Santa Cruz. Nothing in my, I think you live in Santa Cruz. That's what yeah, I, live I live in Santa Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Okay. So I, 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 our house is my dream and I try to be a dreamer, you know, and, and, and I read in your book, Play Bigger, dreamers, pirates, innovators, you know, and, yeah. and it, it, you know, that was that was what I tried to be. That's what I wanted to be. And, you know, in this world that always tries to send you in other directions. And so when I, I, I love to read, my mom was a librarian, all my great influences in life were, you know, people who were into reading and knowledge and music and facts and science and technology. And I just wish, I just wish that I had uh, known what I did have as a child, because when I was there on uh, June 21st, 2001, and, and, and getting inducted into that Grateful Dead Hall of Honor. I mean, they were all there, and it was just so cool and so happy <laughs> and so fun. And that's what the Grateful Dead has always meant to me. And so this Eric Weiner, we'll, we'll call him Weiner because I think that's what he wanted to be called, but uh, he uh, he wrote these two books and uh, the, in no particular order, but this is the order that I read him in. I, I read The Geography of Genius, followed by The Geography of Bliss. And like your book, very short, like all of John Wooden's books, very short. I tend to like super long books where they just go like David Halberstam, you know, 800,000 pages. Just, you know, just give me the history of the world in every other paragraph, right? <laughs> you must like so, Dickens as well, right? Because I think I think right, I by the I, word, I love that it? kind of stuff. You know, we grew up in our house. We didn't, I grew up with nothing. I you guys didn't even have a TV, did you? We didn't have a TV, no. Did and, your, uh, you know, was it and, your mom or your dad? I remember in your book, one of them said something to the effect of, ah, oh, there's nothing good on TV or nothing worthwhile. Right, that was my mom. But, you know, my dad was not a television watcher either. My dad, my, my dad was the coolest dad ever. And, you know, but he, he had, you know, one of the challenges that I had with your book is the same challenge that I have in my life, is that I grew up in a totally non-business environment. My parents were not motivated by money at all. You know, my dad, he grew up in the Central Valley. His parents were, were teachers. He, he grew up in a very small town called Taft, just west of Bakersfield, which now is a really nice place because they've been able to bring water from the mountains over to the southern Central Valley there. And so it's beautiful. I got lots of great friends there. And it's a real innovation hub there with uh, David Higdon, who's a fantastic entrepreneur and doing all kinds of wonderful things and the solar energy plans and the California's Central Valley and the, and the more... You've gotten involved uh, with some of that, haven't you, Bill? Uh, if oh, I remember no, correctly, you you're know, involved with our, some of those businesses, aren't you? I'm involved in all of that stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, I try to... I try to involve myself in everything good and do whatever I can to avoid nonsense at every, <laughs> at every turn. And and amen, you know, hallelujah. 
And people try to drag you down and, and they, people try to say no to you. And the great thing about our lives today and, and what you point out, I mean, you trace all these different things and play bigger and your buddies, Al and Dave and Kevin and how you came together and, and you just addressed all these issues that we're facing on a constant basis, but the way you weave it back into the, the, business aspects and with me not growing up in a business environment because my parents my dad was a social worker by day an adult educator by night and a music teacher on the weekends he went to he went to berkeley and was a top student there in, in, in english and uh, he wanted to be a writer and he wanted to be a teacher he wanted to be a leader and then things changed because he ended up in europe fighting in world war ii in france and germany and he comes back and he, he never said a word about that war never and he, but he he spent his whole life when he came back trying to convince people to get along and so he was and then my mom was the librarian so, so and, i hate to interrupt you bill but it, yeah, being you, at war Christopher, Christopher, yeah, yeah. I, I work for ESPN. Our signature show is pardon the interruption. Don't forget <laughs> the pardon, just interrupt, man. It's Fair so enough. Good. Fair enough. It's so interesting, isn't it, how many warriors come back and become peacemakers? Absolutely. And then I'm, in, I'm all about peace and love. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, here I am growing up. How many tie-dye t-shirts do you think you have? <laughs> I don't have enough. And, you know, but... You know, when I love your section on philanthropy in the, in Play Bigger, and that book it really sort of encapsulated your book because I had no idea who you were before you and I connected in San Diego at an Oracle NetSuite event. And here I am, I'm the next speaker up, right? And I'm in the back of the room trying to figure out what I'm going to say and where I'm going to go and all these guys who are there to hear about business and everything. And here's this big, tall, goofy, redheaded guy with a big nose and freckles who can't even talk at all, right? And you're up on the stage just going bam, bam, bam and directing everybody, challenging everybody, leading everybody. And you've got all this phenomenal information that you're just laying out. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to follow this guy. It was basically like following Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, thank you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so I forget what your question was. You talked about, oh, the peacemakers. Yeah. Yeah. The, and so the warriors turn into peacemakers, at least the great right. ones. Well, you, you know, that, and, and the war is war and violence is, is the failure of the human spirit. And uh, I've been super lucky to be able to learn from all the master teachers that I've had in my life uh, how how to get to where you want to go. And, and I, I'm adding you to my list. And I've been talking about you ever since I met you, ever since I've been able to read your book. And I talk about it on television all the time. And this guy who sits next to me, who, who doesn't like to read, who doesn't like facts, who doesn't like science, who doesn't believe in technology. And I don't, I just get so frustrated because when you want to get someplace, you have to have the dream. And then you have to have a teacher, somebody who has been where you want to go. Because the sh surest way to find out how to get there first is to talk to somebody who's on their way back. And that's you. And that's why I'm on this show today. And then, then you have to be a, on a team. And when I see what your team has done here with Play Bigger, and I want to meet these guys, Al, Dave, and Kevin. Do you guys ever get together or are you just like virtual friends? You know, it, it's interesting because um, I... Or are I, you even friends? 
No, of course. Uh, you know, we're, okay. uh, we're, we're brothers. And, and so okay. we love each other and we hate each other and we, everything right. in between, just like, just You're like a family, brothers. you're a team. Yes. Right. Um, but the interesting thing is, you know, I, I retired after Play Bigger came out and, and God bless him, David. Retired? Well, you know, retired. Retired? What's that? Retired? <laughs> well, I, my, heroes, I, they, my heroes, they go to the end. Come on, well, no, John I, Wooden, Chick Hearn, my dad, uh, uh, Jerry Garcia, Bob Dylan, Neil Young. Don't ever retire, Christopher. Just, just change what it is that you're doing, unless you want to just spend all your time in Santa Cruz. I can dig that, man. I, I, I've been coming to Santa Cruz my whole life. And so I still get there at least once a year because every October, mid-October, and we want to invite you down this year, but we ride our bikes with purpose, our bicycles, from San Francisco to San Diego. And we ride our bikes for the Challenged Athletes Foundation, where we raise money to buy wheelchairs and prosthetics for people that don't have arms and legs so that they can participate in the game of life through sports. And we got a ton of guys who are coming back from our wars fighting for us and they come back blown up destroyed and everything and we got to get them going again and so we get out there and we come through santa cruz and it's just so beautiful we get up there in the santa cruz mountains on the bonnie dune and we go up on a pescador and up in those mountains and then we go on the ice cream grade and then the empire grade and we come cruising down and we stay in the chaminade hotel looking out over the bay and it's just <laughs> spectacular and then i used to, as when i was in college one of my great friends and my Great friend still today, Greg Lee, who was the key to our team at UCLA. He was, you know, he got really frustrated and really bored with Coach Wooden because Coach Wooden ran everything through me, and you know that was the decision that Coach Wooden made. And Greg, Greg Lee, all the other guys, they came in with huge dreams of their own, but then they sacrificed. They sacrificed because Coach Wooden said, look, if we're going to go and get it all done, we're going to go through Bill. And, but anyway, my friend Greg, he, in addition to being a fun, fantastic Hall of Fame basketball player, he picked up beach volleyball. You know, the culture, the lifestyle in Santa Cruz is a mecca of beach volleyball. Greg's now in the basketball, volleyball, and tennis Hall of Fame. That's what a great wow. athlete he was. And then I remember, you know, in all the years of being a deadhead, I've been a deadhead since 1967, since I was 15 years old, right? And it was been the greatest ride ever. And when the Jerry Garcia band would pull into Santa Cruz, are you kidding me? It, mu- it must have been the, crazy. The dead it was the coolest the dead in Santa Cruz, ever. Right? The Santa Cruz in those days, you know, Santa Cruz today is a really big town and there's traffic and there's development and everything. But back in the 70s and the 80s, man, this was like, yeah, California, <laughs> hippies, beach, redwoods, let's go, right? And so we'd go to the concerts, we'd just show up, right? And small, either the Santa Cruz Civic Center or Civic Auditorium, I don't know what they call it, but it's just downtown. I, I, yeah, Santa we just Cruz. call it the Santa Cruz Civic, yeah. Right. Actually, was was very, just, do you know Bill Very small. Yeah, it is it very, very small. small, right? And so it would just be so so peaceful because the Jerry Garcia band was different than the Grateful Dead. It was, it was a, it was quieter and it was not the crush and not the, the overwhelming crowd. And it was just, you could just breathe and you could relax and open up and just spread your wings and, and, and open your heart and open your soul and just let that, let the music just come right in. And then we just 
drift and dream and the show would be over. Who knew what time it was? And I'd go <laughs> up and I'd say goodnight to everybody, right? I'd say, see you at the, see you at the next show, Jerry. And then Steve, big Steve Parrish, who kind of ran the show for Jerry all those years. Please check out his books, Home by Daylight, right? Or something like that. Steve Parrish, uh, Home Before Daylight. And uh, when I read Steve's book, I mean, I, 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 this is a, a, a different book, Steve, is than your book. And so I said, so Steve, what did you tell your mom when you wrote this book? Anyway, Steve would always come up to me as I'm kind of walking out into the middle of the night. And he'd say, Billy, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? And I said, Steve, I'm with the band. And then I'd go out there. And, and, and who knew what time it was, right? But by this time... The fog was in just deep, low yeah. fog. And, yeah. and, and everybody is walking out saying, wow, did you just see and hear and feel and live and breathe what I just did inside with Jerry and the band and John and Dave and Merle and, and it, all these different musicians. It was just fantastic. And Gloria and, and Jackie, the singers. And then there's a, and then because there was this, the, in the world of the Grateful Dead, you see the same people year after year, and there was this incredible blue. It's, it's like a giant traveling tribe, is it not? Right, it, right. It, it, it's like the NBA, but it, it, it's different. And, it, and but it, but but there's so many similarities in the family and, and and the tribe that you talk about that you live in in your world with all these remarkable business titans who have just changed and shaped our world. And my world was the Grateful Dead. And so they're out there and then standing in the fog in the middle of the street. And, you know, who knows what time it is? Two, three. And, you know, because Jerry, he stopped when he wanted to stop. Pretty much like this show here, right? And so, <laughs> the, and, 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 this, and this night, man, I'm looking out through the fog and through the, the glowing street lamps in Santa, in Santa Cruz, right? And I look down and there's this big vehicle coming right down, just really slow right down the road and it was one of the grateful dead tribal buses man that was painted so cool and it had all these gold artistic designs all over it. and it had all these little artifacts and emblems from a from years from a lifetime so there was no mistaking it was bill when they rolled into town it was no mistaking who it was it was the Grateful Dead. It was the Jerry Garcia band. And it was the coolest thing ever. And we love Jerry and what he did for all of us. He did what you continue to do. And that is to provide hope, to provide the dream, to provide opportunity, and ultimately to give purpose to our lives. And so what you have done in terms of the structure of your book and coming out with Dave's three questions and all the different things that go on into making these companies, because we have to have jobs, you know, we have to have businesses, we have to have an economy that's driving, but producing good things. And that's why when my dad came back from the war, that's why what you do, that's why what Jerry and Bob Dylan, who's still out there doing it, and Neil Young, and everybody's talking about peace, and everybody's talking about love, and that transition into an economy, a green economy based on doing positive things for our earth. And we have to keep going around and generating our electricity from renewable sources, taking care of the waste that we create, eliminating that waste so that we can have the clean air and the clean water that's going to allow us to continue to thrive. And 
Don't take away our children's day, man. Mother Earth, listen to Neil Young's most recent or one of his recent albums. The thing about this great about these guys, they just keep coming out with this stuff. And I just, I'm the luckiest guy in the world to that music. It just vibrates right through. And as I try to dream about how to play bigger, imagine, you know, that was John Wooden's whole deal was play bigger. Really? I'm thinking, I'm thinking when I'm reading this book, this guy is a John Wooden student. This guy must have played for John Wooden. And wow! Like, Thank you. Like Wooden had the Wooden had this most remarkable and amazing life, right? He was he grew up with nothing. Is, is on a he farm. the most influential person in your life, other than maybe He's one of them? You know, I don't rank all these people. Yeah, of you know course. I'm sorry. I shouldn't so, put so, it that no, way. But it's fine. You know, I remember fine. when we first met, Bill. Like, you know, a lot of your talk was actually about Coach Wooden. Right, because he was a guy who grew up with me. nothing on a farm, with no electricity, with no plumbing, you know, no running water, had nothing. But his mom took the rags from the family's clothing and she sewed a basketball for him. And he went out against the barn in Indiana and threw this ball up there. And he went on to become the first great player. And then he was, there was no NBA in those days. There was no professional basketball, but because of him, because he was so good and so entertaining and so interesting to watch as a player that they created these barnstorming programs. I mean, pretty much like a road show when you're out there trying to raise money, right? And, uh, you know, for a company. And, like, like exhibitions then, of, of the awesomeness of basketball. Uh, the awesomeness of life, which, which was basketball was his vehicle. The same way that business is your vehicle, communication, the same way that all the guys you talk about in Play Bigger, right? Uh, they have their ideas. And what I loved about your books, I mean, every different page was like, wow. So I, I'm taking notes and trying to figure it all out without having the background of you in, in the world of business. And then you started talking about the, the challenge is to be different, not to be the same and better, yes. but to be different. And that's what John Wooden was. And so, and then his life changed because he got hurt after we set all these records playing basketball and he went and became a teacher just like you're a teacher and that sense of being one of those guys in my life and, and, and the incredible good fortune of the harmonic convergence of him being in Southern California with Chick Hearn, the two people who are responsible for why basketball is popular in this golden paradise that we live in. I don't know what the weather's like in Santa Cruz today, but gorgeous, man, gorgeous. it is perfect here in San Diego. <laughs> I mean, if you were here in San Diego today, you would say, I am never leaving this place <laughs> again. Oh my gosh. So, so I got to ask you, know, what is it about? So we got the path, right? Ahead, I, I was trying to get to the path and, uh, uh, and the after you have the dream and the teacher and the team, because nobody makes it to the top alone, you have to have the culture. And that's where you talk about the, 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 the point of view and, and who we are, what we stand for, and where we're going. And, and, and that culture, you've got to buy into that. And I love the way you just said, look, man, if these guys in your company are not bought in, they're not totally there, just get them out of there right away. Yeah, and, fire them. And, and fire them, yeah. I mean, uh, and then... Slow to hire, first to fire, right? And so, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> very, and, very, very and wise then, advice. And then the foundation that you have to have. And, you know, and when I see you, I mean, I have no idea how old are you like 35 or 38 or what? I, I don't know. I'm 65 <laughs> and I'm all broken down. But when I saw you present 
you were a volcano. You were a, a, a comet. Just you, you, you were an exploding star, a quasar across the sky. I mean, John Barlow and Robert Hunter could have written a song about you. In fact, they probably <laughs> did. But uh, here was this, you know, this guy that it was just so direct and so focused and so concentrated and so enthusiastic and so passionate and so able to deliver that message. Because with that foundation, the strength of the team is the strength of the individual. And then that drives you right into those elements that make success. Because when you talked about the guys who were in the war to come back to become the peacemakers, I mean, that was UCLA. That was UC Berkeley. That was the Grateful Dead. That was my life. That was my dad. But we know what causes failure. Failure is caused by lack of honor, selfishness, greed that leads to anger, hatred, and ultimately violence, right? But what causes success? Sacrifice and discipline. Sacrifice to see a greater goal, a greater purpose, and saying, hey, man, I'm with those guys, and I'm going to do whatever it takes so that we as a group, we as Californians, we as human beings on this planet, that we can make it better, and not just for us, but for as many other people as we can. And then could you you expand upon what you mean by lack of honor? I find that that was lack of honor. People who lie, people who cheat, people who steal, people who uh, are criminals, Uh, people who do all the negative things that we see every single day. That's what's coming out of uh, our government leadership. If you can even call it, if those two things, because the people who are out there right now, they don't believe in government. They don't believe in leadership. They believe in filling their own bank accounts. And that's selfishness and greed. And that is lack of honor. People who you cannot believe a thing they say. You cannot, you cannot accept that, that they are concerned about anything else other than the size of their bank account. And you nothing know, I, I can be further you, from the truth in my own life because, because like – I'm a hippie. I'm a hippie from San Diego. You know, I grew up on the beach. We get dressed in the parking lot, right? And so <laughs> I, I go to UCLA, and I have the time of my life. This is absolutely perfect. You know, we got a scholarship, now, a scholarship like check you, once you, a month. You did bump heads with Coach Wooden quite a bit, didn't you? On a constant basis, because I always wanted to know why. I always wanted to know why he was this little old man from, from Indiana. And I was 17, 18, 19 years old at the time. And my life was perfect, right? But I always wanted to know why this guy could tell me when I had to shave, when I had to cut my well, hair, what clothes I had curious. to wear. Uh, here's the thing. I'm and why Nixon about. was president and, and, and why we were in Vietnam and why the cheerleaders couldn't be in my hotel room on the road trip. And, and, and so here but, I am. No, hold on a second. I'm, I'm curious yeah. about this because one of the fascinating things in your book, which by the way, I, I got to tell you, I, I loved it. I, I read it. You were kind enough to give me a copy. And then I thought, I, I, I want to make, I, I'm a dyslexic person. And so what really helps me is I make notes and I underline things and all that. And I said, I'm not going to, you know, write on the in the copy that you uh, so graciously signed for me, and and so I got a second copy oh, so I could make I'll all send kinds you another of- one, Christopher. It's okay, I'll send <laughs> you another one. It's okay, I, I can handle the 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 you know twenty bucks on Amazon or whatever. And because I'm dyslexic, especially with a book like yours that I really want to get into, I buy the audio book as well. And you, you know, know, I don't listen to audio books. Yeah, you know, why not? Because I like to go back 
And I don't know, you know, I, I, I love technology and I use technology. Technology has saved my life and technology is going to allow us as a species to continue because technology allows us to reduce consumption. And when we reduce, you know, we have so many people on the on the earth, 7 billion, right? And uh, that's a lot. And, you know, how much water do we have? How, how much arable land do we have? You know, we go to China every year with the Pac-12 Conference of Champions. You know, they don't have the arable land that we have. You know, that, that, the, that country is stuffed with people, right? When you land you know, in they, they got a ton of people, you know, and, and, it's, and, and it's growing. But, the, but their technology, man, and their commitment, and their, you know, they see the green future that we, that too many people in our country, the great thing about our country is that we, we live in California. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have these conversations with Yao Ming, right, who's the coolest dude ever. And, is, and, is and he I really, you, all, you enjoy your time oh, with him? Oh, I love, he's so, he's so young and so smart and just so, he's intuitively on the right path, very much like the Grateful Dead were in the very early days, right? And, and, and they did all these things, the Grateful Dead, because they just thought it was the right thing to do. And, and that's what Yao Ming does constantly, right? So I have these conversations with Yao, and I, I mean, you're just going back and forth, and he finally just puts his hand out and stops me right in mid-sentence. He says, Bill, yeah, but you're from California, man. I live in China, and I lived in Texas. Right? And so it, 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 it's different with the fortunate aspect of our lives that we get to live in California, the promised land, meet me on the burning shore, knock, knocking on the golden door and how spectacular it is where we get to, to live in this beautiful place where it's always sunny and it's always warm. But now we have to use the incredible brain power that has been developed and to, and to make the world into a sustainable place. So we're not just destroying it. And one of the, what, you know, Neil Young's album, Earth, you got to check this out, man. And it starts out with Mother Earth and then the healing ways and being destroyed by the men of greed and power. And, and Neil's just standing up there and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. And I love all things Neil Young. And I just, I'm just how long ago did you prouder to be his friend. What now? How long ago did you meet Neil Young? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I met all these guys over the course of my life. And, and, and as, as we go through life, you remember what, you, what you've done but you, and, and, and who you did it with and what happened. But you can't remember when it was. <laughs> all I mean, right, so because it was what you know, it was like when you first met him. Well, it was a dream come true with all these guys. I met all these guys, right? The, the only guys I didn't get to meet, who I wanted to meet, were all assassinated and all killed. Like John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and, uh, and, uh, and John Lennon. Other than that, I met all the guys I wanted to meet. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, you, know, you know who I haven't met who I want to meet? Is Roger Waters, but you know what? I, I, I'm at the point in my life where I, I don't really care if I meet him because I am meeting him through their work. Yeah, and and you know when you listen to Roger's most recent album, is this the life we really want? And I, I listen to music all the time. When I was in my darkest space, because when one of those my last huge collapse was 10 years ago, uh, February 24th, uh, 2008. And I was, you know, I, I had been 
my body has been broken for a really, really long time. But then it finally just got to the point where I could no longer move because my spine failed and collapsed and I was on the ground. You were and, really, uh, you were really given uh, some pretty compromised bones as a human being. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I am not a winner of the genetic lottery, you know, and, uh, and uh, in evolution, you know, and, and I'm one of a lot of people who are taller and everything. And some of them, they get all the good stuff. That was Kareem. That was Wilt. That was Akeem Olajuwon. And a lot of them, a lot of them playing into, you know, Kevin Garnett, excuse me, Kevin Garnett's one of them, Kevin Durant, uh, who I just spent the day with a couple of days. I saw ago. your picture with him on Twitter uh, from a few it days. It was fantastic. And what a And by dude. the way, I, I got to tell you. He loves his bike too, you know. Bill, I, I got to tell you, look, I don't know anybody at ESPN, but, uh, and of course it's awesome that you're on the college uh, games. But in yeah. my humble opinion, we need to have you back on the NBA, don't we? No, I mean, no, no. I did, I did that. I had. I know, but it's there. so, you, you are, there's nobody in the world like you. Well, and, and you make people and most people say say thank god yeah for that. No, no not at all i think you're i, I love what i'm doing you but, know what? But you, you you make people love basketball in a way that they wouldn't otherwise you if you're not the greatest basketball ambassador in the world i i don't know who is i love i love life and that is a result of my parents it's a result of california it's a result of my very first coach my very first coach, greatest coach I ever had. Your high school and then coach? A re- no, my elementary school elementary coach. Elementary school coach. Was yeah, this the guy I'm Rocky. trying to... Yes. He was the fireman. The stories the that fireman. you tell about him in your book are great about how he sets everything up so that everything's perfect when you guys show up. And like his yeah, it, was, it was fantastic. And, and, and my coach, Rocky, he volunteered at our elementary school for 59 years. 59 years every day of his life. And the last 59 years of his life, right? And he never took a penny. And he, he, was a, he, had, he was a fireman and he just loved life. And, and when he died a couple of years ago, he was the richest guy I've ever known. And, and I cannot tell you today if Rocky knew anything about sports. At the time, I thought he knew everything. But what he <laughs> did know, he, he knew what you know. He knew life. And what you did at the end of your book, because I'm always interested in how the close comes, right? Because yeah. I'm a deadhead, right? And, and, you know, and I love Bob Dylan and Neil Young and John Fogarty and Jimmy Cliff and Carlos Santana and Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones and John Lennon and the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the endless list of all the guys, right? Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and the way they end, the way they start, the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's just like a, it's like a David Halberstam saga, right? It's like, it's like a Christopher Lockhead part two of Play Bigger. You know, <laughs> here you. we are. What are we going to do? Let's go get it done, right? And so I'm wondering, as I'm reading Play Bigger, how is he going to end this? You know, because I'm getting closer to the end, you know, and it's just like, and that, oh my God. And then you turned it perfectly in that you said, this is not about business. This is about life. This yeah. is about everything you do every single day. And that's what I love about what the Golden State Warriors do now, the best basketball team on the planet. And it was, it was Steph Curry. I, I just loved hearing you call that game, Bill. I mean, it was, was so, so exciting. Fun. 
you know, because living in the Bay Area, of course, uh, you yeah, know, we watch know. them all the time. It's been an incredible run that we've been lucky enough to witness. Every game's on TV and all that stuff. And to have you. you calling their game against Portland, it was it was all time. It was, a, it was fantastic for me. And you know, one of the frustrating things about my job is that you know, as a, I'm not a good public speaker. And, I'm, I, and I do Bill, not that's it. Listen, I, I'm not going to argue with you that much. I, I'm talking on here, please. <laughs> back off. Pardon the interruption. I'm not a good public speaker, and I cannot think quickly on my feet. And so there's all this madness going around, right? There's people yelling in my ear, don't say that, Walton. Come on, we got to have a promo. We got to create a folk controversy here. Come on, man. We got to have the studio cut in. And I'm trying to think about where I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden, the game's over. And I have no idea. No idea. And then I take this big deep breath and I get back to my room. I go out and I, and, and I have a meal and I, and, I, and, I get, and I get into my room and I immediately say, oh, my God, I forgot to say that. I forgot to go here. I didn't do this. And, and I just play it over in my mind. And so one of the things that I do is that as I can't sleep after the games, you know, I just, as I'm lying there and I try to sleep, I, I just have a notepad right next to the bed, right? And then, so when I can't sleep, I just sit up and just, bam, okay note there note that note that and then i try to incorporate it the next time but what uh, of all the things that happened in that game and it was an epic game back crazy and forth, game. up and down it was why it was beautiful and the blazer maniacs and beer and every, it was fantastic but the, the when i got when i finally calmed down and it, when it finally got to the point of, okay you know what what really happened because one of the great things about the Grateful Dead and the, and the NBA today, they record everything. And there's now there's tons of photographers, there's tons of recording equipment. So you can go back and, 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 and rethink it, re-listen and, and, and do all that stuff. But I'm lying in my bed and it just dawned on me that the best part, the best part of that whole day, which was spectacular in every aspect, was the fact that I was sitting next to this lady, Doris Burke. And Doris was a great player in her own right. She has seven career records for Providence where she played. She's in their Hall of Fame for playing basketball, right? And now she's calling the game with me. And, it, you know, how hard it is in the world to, to, to get a break, to make it, to be on the top, to be the champion, to be in that great position. And here's Doris, who's like the first one doing that on as a woman in a man's game, right? And she's there doing and all game long, and I should have mentioned this on the air, and I just never got to it, all game long, all day long, this endless stream of women of all ages would just come up to her. And I was sitting right next to her, and they'd come up. they just totally ignore me, which is very cool. I, I appreciate that. They'd come right up to her, and they say, Doris, we just want to thank you, Doris, for empowering us and making us believe in our own lives and just person after person from you know little children little girls older women middle-aged people just coming up and it was so inspiring and so powerful for me because that's what I love is when other people make it and Doris Burke has made it and Christopher Lockhead has made it and I want to learn how to play bigger <laughs> well thank you so much Bill what's your next book uh well you really want to know 
Yeah, that's why I asked, man. If I didn't, ask, if I didn't want to know, I wouldn't ask. If, if I didn't want to know, I wouldn't be on this show. Come on. <laughs> so I, I hope I hope you love it. It's uh, we're calling it a mini book. So I don't know how yeah. long it'll end up being. It, I'm guessing maybe around a hundred pages. So it's not a complete book. It's a short book, like you talked. Don't about. ever think that the shortest books are the hardest books. The shortest speeches are the hardest speeches. Check out Majesty of Calmness, which Coach Wooden turned me on to through a friend toward the end of his life. Majesty of Calmness was written 100 years ago. It's a pamphlet. It's like 35 pages long. But, man, it gets right to it. I love it. <laughs> Majesty I love of it. Calmness. Like, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it yet. But I, I have that sitting next to my bed. And when I'm awake at night, I have trouble sleeping. Do you, are you still in much pain? I have no pain. But I, I can't slow my brain down. That, that's the problem. And see, one of the challenges for me, and this is what, you know, the way you organized it in terms of creating the category, becoming the category king, category design, great product, great company, get rid of all the riffraff, you know, figuring out, you know, figuring out the problem that needs to be solved that people don't even know that they have yet. And all these different things that you just keep going, right? I can't get that out of my brain. And so in my life, <laughs> am I my haunting life, your brain, Bill? Are we, is, are no, we... no, 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 no. I love it because you stimulated my brain and, and I love stimulation. And so here, it, you know, in my life, I have these huge blocks years at a time where I'm in the hospital. I mean, I've spent half my adult life in the hospital. I, I can't, I you know, as I was reviewing, was reading your book and going back through your career, it really blew my mind. I mean, you were injured so All the time. much of your career. All the time. Do you ever and, think, Bill, like if I had been able to play, like what would have happened if you'd actually been able to play during well, your career? Yeah, but you can't live like that. You know, you got to, I try to learn. So that doesn't yesterday. bother you. You don't, that doesn't. Well, that sure, doesn't it, bother, it bothers me, but there's nothing I can do about it. It, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, you know, your book starts out talking about addressing failure and not being afraid to fail. And one of the great blogs that I read all the time is from this guy from basketball named George Raveling, and it's called Coaching for Success. And George has evolved. I mean, George grew up with nothing nothing you know in washington dc you know right there and you know in the mess and and then when he was a young boy he read the newspaper that martin luther king was going to come and give a speech in november of 1963 on the washington monument and they were looking for volunteers and george showed up and he was as wow. typical george as typical george he was there first and so <laughs> when Martin Luther King gave his speech on the mall, the I Have a Dream speech, George Raveling was sitting two, he was in the third seat to Dr. King's left, right? And the speech is over. Bill Russell was there that day. They wanted Bill Russell to be up on the stage. Bill Russell said, no, I am a warrior. I am a warrior for Dr. King and the warriors are out in the field looking up on the stage. So I'm going to be out there where I belong. And so Dr. King, he finishes his speech, the I have a dream speech, and it walks off the stage, right? The world is never the same ever since. And and George Raveling, just a, a young child at the time, is sitting there, three seats to his left, and he looks back, he's the last guy off the stage, and the notes, the notes to the speech are right there on the podium. Wow. And so George picks up the notes and goes over to Dr. King backstage and said, Here, uh, Dr. King, you forgot this. And D Dr. King says, I've already delivered the speech. 
I don't need that anymore. You keep it, son. George you have to be still kidding has that me. No to one. this very day. And he and, still and, has but, it. Yeah. And so all these things happen in people's lives. And that's wow. what I love about the Warriors. That's what I love about you. When I saw you at that event for NetSuite San Diego, every single person you talked to, every single person you had a positive interaction, you changed their lives. Dr. King did that. George Raveling does that. John Wooden did that. Jerry Garcia, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, John Fogarty, Jimmy Cliff, all the guys, they all do that. Bruce Springsteen every single time. And then when I spent that day with the Warriors, that's what they do. And that sense of hope, that sense of that, that all the young people, all the women that came up to Doris Burke, they just say, wow, and I'm looking for something. I want to be a part of something. And, 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 and that's what you've allowed. And that's what Kevin Durant and, and, and that's what the little Steph Curry do all the time. And then Steve Kerr, I mean, what a perfect coach. Steve Kerr was a ball boy for UCLA basketball when we were growing up. He's much younger. He was there. His dad was a political science professor at UCLA when I was at, at, at UCLA. But I, the I was studying him political science me. at the time. That blows me away, Bill, is, you know, and of course, people sometimes forget he was on all those Bulls teams. I mean, oh, no, <laughs> what, what a run this guy's it. having, right? I mean, Steve Kerr is having one of the most legendary basketball careers or lives you can, lives you can possibly imagine, is he not? Right, right. So, but, it, so here's this guy, little Stevie, growing up in the Pacific Palisades, and, you know, he's dreaming about UCLA basketball. And that, that's what I want to do, right? And then... When it's his turn, UCLA won't give him the time of day. And so he has to, he ends up, he, you know, his dreams were crushed. But this guy, Lute Olson over at Arizona, who was just starting his career, just starting his program, and Lute Olson, who grew up in, in North Dakota and then moved to uh, college in Minnesota. And then immediately, as soon as he got free, he came right to Southern California, right? And he was a basketball coach in Southern California. Uh, at, at Long Beach City College when he met John Wooden. And then it all changed for him because John Wooden was like you. He was out in the Thank field. You. Thank you. He was out there. He was out there delivering the message of what it takes to get to the top of the mountain. And that sense of one of the great things about John Wooden is that who was also had zero interest in money. You know, his highest salary at UCLA ever was thirty-two thousand five hundred bucks, and and wow! But 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 he, his happiness. You know, first of all, he changed as, as you delineate perfectly in play bigger. How you have to change because times change and and, and knowledge changes and and, and information changes and t technology and all the different things that we use to make our lives better that changes and we have to change with it and John wouldn't changed and so as he went from being the Steph Curry to being this incredible teacher for twelve young men that's what he did. He wasn't coaching the world in those days. He coached, he coached uh, at UC, I believe he coached for, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, it came to me. He coached for 40 years. He coached at the high school level, he coached at the college level, and then 27 years at UCLA. And, but when he retired, I was like bombed. I said, come on, man, you're 65 years old and you've got so much to give. He said, no, Bill, I, you know, I've done enough. And so I thought he was just going to like chill and just sit back. That guy, he became an 
inferno. And he went out and he <laughs> taught the whole world. Yeah. And, and, so he went from teaching just 12 guys. And I was lucky to be one of those 12 guys, but uh, to teaching the entire world and, and his impact, his scope just became so much greater. And so I didn't know any of this until I left because I had this perfect childhood, none of it based on material possessions. I had a bike, I had a basketball, a skateboard, and I had books, and I had a radio, right? That's all I needed. And, uh, and but, uh, then I, can, can I interrupt you here for a sec, Bill? I, I said you could interrupt any time you want, man. <laughs> so the interesting thing about you saying that you had a perfect uh, life as a kid, uh, right. and, and, you know, you paint a very idyllic picture in Back from the Dead and, 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 and right. folks and, and all of it. But at the same time, it, it's hard to believe now you talk also deeply about the pain of, of being a stutterer. Right. No, that, that, so learning how to speak is my greatest accomplishment in life. And everybody else's worst nightmare. But how, how old were you when you felt like you could, you could overcome stuttering and you could, quote unquote, learn, you, you had learned to speak? I had to learn how to speak. And I didn't know. I, I, thought, I thought that everybody's feet hurt all the time. And I thought that only the lucky people could talk. And I was proved wrong. Because not that many people's feet hurt. But my feet, they, they don't hurt now because they're all fused. I mean, from the knee down, I'm all one bone. I can't feel a thing down there. So if I fall over when I get up, just push me back up. Right? <laughs> so, so if someone but, kicks you in the but, shin, you don't feel it. <laughs> no, nah, I don't feel that. I mean, it's just, it's just, I got big stumps, but, but I have my feet. And, you know, and one of our, so like we're on this big bike ride one day, right? I mean, we ride our bikes and Kevin Durant, he loves his bike. He wants to come and ride with us. And I'm just so pumped up. And so we're on this big, long ride. We're riding from San Francisco to San Diego. And, and you know, we're getting, uh, you know, we're, we're down outside of north of Santa Barbara, right? It's a long, hot, hard day, right? And we've already ridden for 400 miles or so. And so people are starting to get a little tired. And so uh, one of my buddies, he comes over to me at one of the stops where we're getting some fuel and, uh, and some new liquids and stuff. And he comes up to me and says, hey, man, hey, my foot is hurting. You got any suggestions? And I looked <laughs> over at him. I looked over at him. And, and then I pointed, I pointed to my friend on the other side of the group. I said, why don't you go ask him? And we looked over at him, and the guy didn't have any legs. And so when you are, are in that point in your life, when you just think it's too hard, and you think you can't get this done, and you're trying to figure out how we're going to get out, and you cannot see the big picture, the big picture that's painted in Play Bigger, and you're trying to figure out, and you've got an incredible opponent or an obstacle or adversity in front of you like that, and if you think think that you're going to just be successful because of luck. If you think you're going to be successful just because you're a big guy or just because you have some natural talent, what's going to happen when the guy you're playing against is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? What's going to happen when the guy you're playing against is Shaq O'Neal? What's going to happen when the guy you're playing against is, is Yao Ming? Or what's going to happen when, when you're playing against Jeff Bezos or you're playing against Steve Jobs or you're playing against all these different guys who have started these phenomenal companies who have all been able to play bigger as you just delineate perfectly through the course of this massive read that takes me like a Grateful Dead concert, ricocheting through the universe. And then you realize, hey, if he can do that, if Bill Walton can learn how to talk, if Bill Walton can get back up after being on that 
floor for all those years when he was going to kill himself because his body didn't work anymore and the pain was just so overwhelming and excruciating and unrelenting and debilitating. If those guys can do that, if Doris Burke can do what she does, if Bob Dylan is still out there at 76 years old, if the Grateful Dead who were playing this weekend on the beaches of Cancun, Yucatan Peninsula, if they can do that, if Neil Young can stand up, if Bruce Springsteen can keep going all these years doing that, what's to keep me? If the Stones can keep touring, right? Doesn't it blow your mind, the Stones? Desert trip. I love tripping in the desert, man. Were you there? That was the coolest thing ever. When they did that down in, in Coachella, I when was they not. opened with Bob Dylan, and then they had the Rolling Stones. And then the next night, they had Neil Young open and followed by Paul McCartney. And then the next night, The Who came out and stole the show from everybody. They blew it out. You better, you bet. And then Roger Waters came out and closed it down. And it was amazing, incredible, over the top, indescribable. I have never been higher in my life. It was so <laughs> fun. It was just, it was, it was like being next to Doris Burke in terms of empowerment. It was by yeah. being in presence of John Wooden or Chick Hearn or, uh, it, it, it was being, it was being exposed to something that you, that you did not think could be that great because hope and expectation. I mean, that's, those are driving forces in my life. And, you know, I want it to be great. I dream about it being great. I do everything I can. The, the way you talk in play bigger about the preparation to ensure that you have the greatest chance of success. And don't be just sitting there waiting for the ball to fall in your lap. Don't be sitting there waiting for the phone to ring, man. You got to have a plan. You got to have structure. You got to have organization. And when you come up against problems, you got to be able to get through them quickly and make decisions and get going and play in this great game of life. And I'm sitting there when I'm reading that, I'm saying, wow, man, this guy is John Wooden. And for me, after John Wooden has now been dead for almost eight years, he died in June of 2010. And shortly thereafter, Halloween, uh, October 31st of 2010, my greatest teammate ever, Maurice Lucas, he passed away. And then my dad had just passed away and Chick Hearn had just passed away. So I, I, I lose, you know, and Rocky and my coach had passed away and Ernie Vandeway had passed away and all these guys who were like, who gave up their lives so that little Billy could have a chance. And now... All of a sudden, I'm out there, and it's, oh, my gosh. But I keep finding it, and now i found you. So don't <laughs> give me your phone number, man, because I'll be calling you up in the crack of dawn uh, and saying, hey, you, I got an idea. Let's go. You, you call me. Let's go on you tour. Me, you do. I'm on tour with you. Anything you want to do, I'm in. I thought you were retired. Yeah, well, I'm retired. retired. I, see, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> I, have, I have the time <laughs> now that if if, if – if Bill says, hey, why don't we X, answer is yes. Whatever it is, I'm in. So I, no, I, I love yes. You know, because I'm, I am driven down. I am beaten down by a world that insists and demands qualitative binary decision making. And that is a mistake. Because people always want yes or no. Life is not about yes or no. At least my life is not. My life I don't want my life to be no. I want to live in a world of yes. I understand now that the culture of yes is built on a foundation of no. But the life I live, I want my life to be yes, maybe 
hopefully, let's go. And that's what I see in learning how to play bigger and the way you tie it all together. Oh, just absolutely spectacular. Bill, And first of all, thank you. And second of all, I would be very- We didn't talk about gravity. We didn't talk about mobilization. Oh, we didn't talk about all that. We didn't talk but, about vision. We didn't talk about insight. We didn't, we didn't talk about the concept of the missing. What are we leaving out? Because I know that the minute we stop this show, I'm going to say, oh, man. No, we, we don't have to stop the show, but uh, I do want to make sure I say I one. I got to get on a plane, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you said about Play Bigger. And I also want you to well, know, I mean, make it clear. You said it off the top, but I also, I can't underscore it enough. Uh, that book is a collaboration amongst four guys, four very deep. Well, that's what it's about. It's right. You know, I've been part of teams, and and that's what that's my faith. I mean, that's one of the endless reasons why I, I I love what my life has been about. Number one, it was the the choice of being part of something special. That's what I wanted, and I had that. I didn't know and, it. I didn't know that on, I had on that one, can I ask you, Bill, I, in your book, I was blown away. You were a young boy. Uh, I yeah. remember the stories about the transistor radio, listening to Chip. Yeah. Yeah. And you identified UCLA and Coach Wooden at a fairly young age. How old were you yeah. when you realized you wanted to grow up and play for him? I was... We didn't have the television set, and there was not a lot of sports on television in those days. There was the, the, you know, the, the football game on Sunday. There was no basketball on television. But I, I followed – see, my dad – my dad uh, – I never shot a basket with my dad. My dad had zero interest in sports, my mom even less. But greatest parents ever. But we had the newspaper at our house and we were fortunate enough to take the LA times. And it was an ex excellent newspaper in the fifties and the sixties. And, uh, it was always a race. I'm an early riser, right? My parents would always say, if Billy would only sleep to six o'clock in the morning, we'd all be so much better off. But I would get up. <laughs> what time do you that get newspaper. up these days? I, I, I get up at, uh, I, I force myself. I force myself to, to sleep because I work at night. Yeah. And, and and working at night is a is a terrible lifestyle. And you know, it's because you know, night is uh, but that you know, that's the entertainment world. And I don't get to go I don't get to do enough. It, you know, all I ever wanted in my life was more. And so when uh when I would get up, I was super lucky because when because my dad's an early riser and 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 people in California are early risers and you know why because we know that tomorrow is going to be fantastic and we can get started you know when you live in these one of the gigantic problems that I had I had three major problems when I when I moved to Oregon number one I had zero interest in business. And that was a huge mistake by me, but I just didn't know. It wasn't my interest. It, it, it's all my interest today. And because the business is fantastic. And you asked about doing the NBA. I love the startup world. You know, you, you, you talk I mean, in Play Bigger about the difference between the innovation part and the harvesting part. <laughs> and that was just yes. spectacular. I, I want to be in the creation and the innovation side. The harvesting is fun and, it, and it's, you know, it's rewarding and it allows you to do other things. I mean, I, I work all the time and I, you know, I, I work for money. And because I know that the more money I have, the more good things I can do. 
The more wheelchairs I can buy, the more prosthetics I can buy, the, the, the more people I can try to help lift up, lift the burden. You know, that was, that's always, uh, that's always the purpose. And, uh, the, the fact that, uh, the, so many people have helped me. And so here it was. I'm, you know, I'm chasing this just fantastic dream, but and I go up to Oregon. I have zero interest in business, and that was my fault. And so I wasn't ready for the business of basketball. I wasn't people. I wasn't ready for people who had individual agendas about their own well-being. That was not my life. And then I had no idea how to survive in a cold weather climate. I mean, I'm from San Diego. You, know, we you probably saw more rain in your first two weeks in Portland than you had in your oh. whole life, right? Oh, my gosh. And I'm just, you know, the, we're back in another drought right away. And, uh, you know, it, it's rained in the last 11 months in San Diego. It's rained two inches. You know, the question wow. is, are we the next Cape Town? And, and how sad that is. And we, we, we have to change. You know, we have to stop burning all this fossil fuel. We have to stop. You know, one of the great things about UCLA, what UCLA has just done up, they've got a scientist in their engineering department who has figured out a way to take the CO2 emissions out of burning the, the carbon uh, and then take that and turn it into concrete. Take a gas awesome. and turn it into, into concrete because concrete is responsible for 5% of the carbon emissions and the greenhouse gases in our world today. And with the constant building that's going on throughout the world, you got to keep building, you got to keep growing. But what's happening in India, what's happening in China and the use of concrete all over the place, you and I are the lucky one. We get to go around and see all these places. We got to figure out new things. We got to figure, and, and, and the people at UCLA, I'm going to be there tomorrow and I'm meeting with the engineering department and they're going to be sharing with me all the dreams that they have. They, they've got guys who are working on how to create water out of the atmosphere at, you know, and then the use of solar power to, to, uh, for desalination here with the oceans that we have. But if we don't use the technology to eliminate the waste problem that we had, the way we keep polluting and destroying everything, I mean, we are just going to kill ourselves. Yeah. And I'm looking for, I'm looking for these people who are going to save us from ourselves. Yeah. And so today, do you think of yourself as an entrepreneur when you're in those yes. environments? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. maybe tell and me more about your kind of mindset around entrepreneurship. Oh, yes. What time is that plane leave, Laurie? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. So I'm the uh, volunteer executive chairman of uh, San Diego Sport Innovators. San Diego has a huge uh, sport industry in terms of everybody wants to move here because you can play sports every day of the year outside. But they get here and they realize, hey, man, i got to have a job because i got to pay for my you know, existence here. And so they all start these different companies. There's 1,200 sports companies here in San Diego. They're involved in everything, manufacturing, innovation, technology, consumer products, you name it, it's all done right here. And so our job is to organize this group and be an advocate to help create companies, to help create jobs so that the entire economy here can grow. So is it kind of like an incubator or how should yeah, I think we, we do all that stuff. Okay. And, and uh, every, everything that you talk about in your book, that's what we try to do. Yeah. You're our hero. You're our, you're our <laughs> aspirational force of nature at the very top. You're the shining star that Jerry Garcia sings about, right? When the bus is pulling down through the fog of Santa Cruz. Thank and you, so Bill. thank you. Here's this, uh, this, absolute ability to articulate 
the message, which is the ultimate and the primary focus of the leader, because you have to illuminate that path forward. Show people where we're going. And that outline, show us how to get there. That was John Wooden. He wrote it all down. You yep. have written it all down. What's the name of your new book? When's it going to be out? Uh, it'll be out. Uh, we're targeting sort of springtime, maybe er, very early summer. It's a mini book. And it, um, the, the folks at Forbes were kind enough to call Play Bigger the how-to guide for building the next Google or Facebook. Right. Well, they the did. You know what? You know what? I, I'm going to go beyond that. Play Bigger is the how-to guide for how to become the best human being in the history of the world. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Woo! I'll take it. That's incredible. Thank you, Bill. And so the new book, it, you know, in, in the last uh, year or so, Bill, I, I did that tour with our friends at Oracle NetSuite and, of course, right. Legends and Losers, the podcast itself and so forth. And I, as you well know, I'd spent the better part of 30 years in the tech industry and a, a lot of that here in Silicon Valley area. And so most of my life has been with what you might think of as big E entrepreneurs in that these right. folks go and they raise a lot of money and they're trying to build big categories and companies and go public and so forth. Well, right. category Kings dominate the three exactly. questions. If you own 85% of your market, what is the size of that market? Dave. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Dave's three questions exactly. are, have become legendary and certainly in Silicon your, Valley. Your Dave is a lot more on top of things than the Dave that I work with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is your category? <laughs> oh my God. What is the size of your potential? I love the way you explain the value of potential as, as opposed to the value of, of what has been done because that is, you know, never, never be angry or jealous about the success of, of, of say a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry and these guys who in in one way are, are making extraordinary salaries, but what they do in terms of driving this gigantic pie of sports as entertainment, sports as business. And those guys, the guys at the top, the guy who's the guys who you talk about in terms of creating these great categories, companies and products, putting it all together to be the category king is they're the reason why that happens. And, and yeah. it's just unlimited out, out there. And, and the way that Durant and Steph Curry just keep going and the amount of work that that takes, you know, because far too many of us think that stuff is easy. You know, these guys who just sit there and kind of watch and kind of, talk about it and stuff <laughs> doing it oh my gosh uh, that's uh, it's a mind blower and isn't you it? do it and you do it thank you what is it Lloyd? what time is my plane oh my gosh oh how are we doing on time bill i i got lots more i'd like to talk to you about but how are you doing i gotta catch the plane yeah I, I, I'd love to stay and talk. Uh, you know, as I get to the end of my introductory comments here, I, I, <laughs> I would love to move forward through this. But why don't we pick it up at a uh, at a more convenient time when I'm not uh, jumping on a plane, which is rarely. But well, I, I would love you. to. 
Uh, no, I, I owe you, Bill. Thank you, Christopher Lockhead. Thank you for teaching me life's greatest lessons. Thank you for your kindness, for your generosity, for your vision, for your sacrifice, for your discipline, for your patience. Thank you for my life. I am the luckiest guy in the world. I now have a new path forward. I now know how to try to play bigger in the game of life. Well, Bill, I can't thank you enough. And I, I got to tell you, I you know, told my wife, Carrie, uh, talk about you a lot and how serendipitous it was we met and how much fun we had that night and our communication since then. And we're just getting started. We're your gracious, started. The, the gracious way that you somehow managed to talk about play bigger during the games is so. Uh, and so I just tell people I have this you know, uh, a 6'11 uh, legend in, in my life somewhat accidentally now. And you're, it's the most random, spectacularly, you are the most random gift the universe has given me that, that I can imagine. And so- you have, the, you have the equation wrong. I'm I'm the lucky one. I have received it and I've been able to receive that the vast majority of my life and it continues unabated today because now- I can stand up and say, I know Christopher Lockhead. <laughs> you have a great day. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so love much. You, Christopher. I love you, you so much. Hi, Carrie. Tell I her will. Please, please, uh, please say hi to Lori. Give her a big don't, hug and kiss for me. Please don't ever say you're retired. Just I won't say, say it doing, again. I'm doing, I'm doing other things. I'm doing more important things now. I, I promise I won't. I delete the word Thank from you. my vocabulary. And uh, just, Okay. Ask me about Chick Hearn's, Chick Hearn's uh, last breath the next time we, uh, we talk. I will. Uh, it was unbelievable. John Bill, Wooden, the same thing. Okay. Yes, I would we love a lot to more hear to those talk stories. about. We've got a lot more to talk about. Look forward to spending time with you again soon. If, there, if there's ever anything I can do to help already done it. you and your we'll company. Be right back. Yeah. We'll be right back after this most important message from our valuable sponsors. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Christopher. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, Bill Walton in the ha-ha house. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you want to uh, get a hold of us, you can always send email to blackhole at lockhead.com. And um, you can check out my lame social media game at Lockhead on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, now, you got to be everywhere your customers are. And uh, the name for that is called Omnichannel. And NetSuite is a very powerful platform for enabling you to conduct omnichannel business everywhere. It's a strategy for connecting multiple siloed sales channels and fusing them into one, giving customers a cohesive and consistent experience across all the channels, retail, digital, direct, and indirect. Consumers want flexibility today. Maybe they want to do an in-store pickup, cash and carry, or ship to a certain destination. It doesn't matter. But what they do want is a consistent experience, regardless of whether they're in person, on their phone, on their browser, or however they want to do business with you. NetSuite helps you drive more traffic to your web stores, convert browsers into customers, increase online revenue with powerful and flexible features and capabilities so that you can do business anytime, anywhere your customers want to. Thousands of the fastest growing companies and best known brands and a disproportionate number of the companies going public of late. 
run NetSuite, and you can too, and it's surprisingly cost-effective. So I'd encourage you to check out netsuite.com slash different. And while you're there, you'll be able to set up a free one-hour business review with an expert in your industry. So turbocharge your business today at netsuite.com slash different. All right. We would like to thank from Simon and Schuster, the amazing book by our friend and American icon, Bill Walton. It's a great book. I loved reading it and I know you will too. Speaking about books that I love, <laughs> HarperCollins, Instant Classic, Play Bigger, How Pirates, Dreamers, and Innovators Create and Dominate Markets. It's my first book and uh, I think you'd love it too. Now, my friends at OneLifeFullyLive.org want to help you dream, plan, and live your best life. We have an unbelievable conference coming up in October in beautiful Long Beach, California, October 2019. Go to the number one, LifeFullyLive.org slash C-Lockhead and find out more today. Atira Systems, stopping wildfire and saving lives at AtiraSystems.com. Now, are you a thought leader? Do you want to get your leading thoughts on some podcasts? Why not check out my friends at Interview Valet, the leaders in podcast interview marketing, interviewvalet.com. Now, do you want a beautiful dream home in Tahoe, Truckee area? Uh, you're looking to move up there, maybe start telecommuting or, or maybe be a little uh, bi-homal, <laughs> if that's a word, have two homes, or maybe you need a third or fourth home. Regardless of why you might want a home in Tahoe, uh, I'd encourage you to check out my dear friends at TahoeTruckeeHomes.com. Matt Hansen and the team are legendary. Matt is in the top 1% of realtors in, in the entire Tahoe area for a reason. Check out TahoeTruckeeHomes.com. And a podcast I love, Cloud Wars Live, with none other than the legendary Bob Evans. Check out CloudWars.co today. And the good people at Kiva, K-I-V-A making loans that change lives. If you want to help uh, entrepreneurs in the developing world with uh, uh, no-cost loans, check out KIVA.org. All right, I'd like to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes, and this podcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. I must warn you that this podcast is clearly produced in a studio that does contain nuts. Um, and this podcast or oddcast, depending on your point of view, is always produced by Jamie J, edited by Sarah Parrish and Mike D. Show notes by Roan Nostros. Remember to teach kids entrepreneurship. Uh, listen to the Grateful Dead. Don't jog near a prison. Practice your dribbling. Tell two people you love about two podcasts you love. Watch the NBA Finals. I love you, uh, Candy Dandy. Um, and I love you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Justin Bieber. Sorry, Justin, we just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Please stay legendary. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. And until we're together again, follow your difference. 